hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Thank you very much, Famous. Happy Monday, y'all. Jesse Rubinoff and Donovan Bennett sitting in for Tim today. He is off doing what he called spending some quality March break time with his family. And it also may or may not be his wife's birthday. Didn't exactly take him for a romantic, but look at this. It, I think it's just maintenance. Like, you are what year in okay. your illustrious marriage? Uh, one. There you go. Yeah. Or you have to load manage the Fair relationship, enough. take some time, check in. So I think it's... Hold know, on, are you at the load management stage yet? Oh, yeah, I've been there. It was before the engagement I was at the load management stage. <laughs> get out of here. I, I had to do that to get, get here. to the engagement, <laughs> to get the yes when I went down on bended knee. Shout out to Boyz II Men. Uh, yeah, you'll get there. Listen, listen, I, I just want to set for the record, because you mentioned smart breaks, yeah, yeah, kids, yeah. whatever. You, you better take advantage of the age and stage you're in right now. Where you get to sleep and the only thing that might wake you up is a pet. Where you, oh, you, definitely. you, you get to leave the house and you don't have to dress other individuals up. Mm-hmm. Where you don't have to negotiate with miniature humans in your own house. And then have the energy, which mm-hmm. Tim is doing, and pour yourself into a relationship to maintain that. So, like, just, just take advantage. You are on the power play right now, my friend. Uh, that was a resounding endorsement of parenthood. <laughs> was it? Was it? <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Uh, that's maybe, maybe what I have to look forward to. Maybe eventually. Um, hope you stick around with us for the next two hours. I'm yes. taking you right up to Hockey Central prior to the Leafs and Sabers. It is obviously a busy day. When is it not busy in sports these days? Uh, some would say the news is everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. You, you knew I had to tie oh, it into the Oscars. Film somehow. buff here. Okay. Uh, I actually, oddly enough, I couldn't get through that movie. Did you, you haven't seen it? Have you seen it? Did not watch it, the Oscars for me this year. It's like, why is this an award show for all movies that most of us haven't watched? Everything, seen? everywhere, all like, at once. Things yeah. that do well at the box office, <laughs> not at the Oscars. Did you see Top Gun? Uh, I mean, I, I do believe that I am the Maverick to your goose. Nice. So yes, I did nice. see the Crockett to your Tubbs, yes. if you will. The Mari Stoudemire to your Steve Nash. So, yes, I did see Top Gun. Not to go completely off the rails, but Top Gun won uh, best, like, sound or, or whatever last night. Is there a more obvious thing in the world when a, a, a movie with jets, at, fire jets and planes and Tom Cruise is going to win sound? Like, it just, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. If Anyways. you have to see it in IMAX, then it's probably yes. going to yes, win Yes, going to win set. Exactly right. Uh, seriously, lots happening. Uh, the NFL's free agency negotiating Ooh. period began today, and dominoes are falling, including Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, evidently, we think we're we not think. sure. We're waiting for confirmation, but the players seem like it's like, we'll talk about it. We'll also talk about the Winnipeg Jets. We have an awesome lineup mm-hmm. of guests for you to talk about those things. George Springer coming up next. We can confirm that for sure. Elliot Freeman from the NHL GM meetings yes. in Florida. Arash Madani is at the World Baseball Classic in Arizona. So we're just sending people places that is warm. And we are here to keep these seats warm. Uh, Chris Cuthbert is still in time. He's going to join us to preview the Leafs and Sabres uh-huh. tonight. You know what? Let's stop wasting time. All right, let's, let's get to first things first. Let's do the deed. Willie Sneed. <laughs> first things first. Giggling about. It's my job to giggle. What are you giggling about? 
That line. I All right. I, I the, like it. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs host the Sabres tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Toronto coming off a feisty 7-4 win over the Oilers. Mitch Marner was ridiculous. Woo! Four points in the win. John Tavares had two goals and an assist and picked up a $5,000 fine for slashing <laughs> while Michael Bunting and Evander Kane came together for a heated wrestling match in the third period. Not much more. Donovan, what were some of your takeaways from the Leafs victory? I mean, I did love that wrestling match and the comments that came from it mm -hmm. uh, by both teams. But I I'm going to be the ultra-positive guy. Okay, uh, take it. TML Forever Leafs Twitter, don't get mad at me because you want to be mad. I, I, I understand. Like, we're not going to talk about the two goals and seven shots mm -hmm. for, for Murray. Mm -hmm. and he's not going to be your day one starter in the playoffs, so let's not worry about that. Maybe. Uh, you think? Well, he's got two cups. I think you'd like if he's playing better, there's a chance. Uh, that's, a, that's a big. Didn't cut you off. I'm, I'm trying to be positive. Yeah, and I like it. I don't want us collectively mm -hmm. to take this team and this run for granted. Like the Raptors years ago, so much of the discourse is like, well, wake me up in April. Mm -hmm. I don't care. They're playing so well. They showed offensively in, in three minutes, I can get you three goals. Like outside of Colorado and Boston, who can just turn it on and get to another level? Mitch Marner, as you see, in both ends is at another level. And he's had these performances before the four point nights where he's the best player on the ice, on ice with a lot of great players. Matthew's the same, the consistency with which he's able to put the puck in the back of the net. Another 30 goal season from him. And Quite as kept, William Nylander has probably been their most consistent top mm -hmm. six skater this year. They are so fun to watch. They have been consistently really good. Just the NHL decided to have a playoff format that I still don't understand. I don't want us to get lost in the sauce of Kyle put all the chips in the middle of the table for the playoffs. <laughs> this team is fun to watch. They've been really good for a long time. These guys continue to put up those numbers. Look at the other names on that list. Talk about Hall of Fame level players. Mm -hmm. Let's embrace it, enjoy. There's lots of times to stress about the spring when we get to the spring. It, it doesn't feel like the spring in this country, so let's enjoy this team while we have it. I love the message, but you know that's not the case. <laughs> why? You know Tell that's not the case. I mean, they're a good hockey team. They're a very good hockey team right now. I've been, I've been saying that all year long. They're I, a very, very good hockey I team. But you know, the, you know that the only thing that matters is what happens no, in the first round. No, it's not because I, we're about to talk about some other Canadian mm -hmm. teams who their fan base would love, would give everything, would risk it all to be the Leafs and take for granted that they're going to be in the first round. And they're just waiting to see who they're going to play in the first round. We know who they're going to play. They're going to play mm -hmm. Tampa Bay. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of where. If you're in some other... All other markets outside of maybe one right now, because they're watching the best player on the face of the earth who played in that game as well. You're trading spots with Leaf fans over the last, name your sample, of course. two years, of five course. years, ten years. So we can't have everything all the time. Just enjoy what you have. Yeah. It's a little bit a matter of expectations. But I okay. appreci appreciate the message. I think I think it's a good message. And if are, there are Leaf fans that are willing to look at the team and see how well they performed and say, you know what, maybe, maybe – First round results aren't the only thing that matters when it comes to this organization. And maybe Kyle Dubas has done a good enough job to perhaps hang on to his job regardless of what happens in the spring. There probably are some out there, but the majority, and I think including the media as well, will look at what happens in the first round. But they are, you mentioned it, they are playing 
extremely good hockey at the moment. Mitch Marner leads the NHL in takeaways, so he's not just leading the team in points and assists and getting it done that way, but you saw just how good uh, he can be defensively uh, on Saturday night against the Oilers. And, and then from, a, from an Oilers perspective, a lot of young mistakes, mm. uh, obviously, is what Jay Woodcroft had to say about the game. And I don't think that's something that you can read too much into. Obviously, the Ryan McLeod turnover was just that swung the entire game. Yep. And But at the end of the day, it's, it's just one game. And the Oilers have the talent. They've been playing good hockey as of late. They just happened to get into a situation where they made one too many mistakes. I did like how the leadership of the Oilers sort of insulated the young guys uh, after the game. Uh, the veterans coming out to speak to the media when the young guys who had made the mistakes, uh, DeHarnay and McLeod, um, were requested by the media. And, the, yeah. and Nugent Hopkins and um, Hyman was requested too. And then some of these guys just said, you know what, we're, we're going to let them uh, say we're going to protect them. And I think that's a sign of, of a team with some solid leadership. So I think the future's bright for both the, uh, the Leafs and Oilers as we turn towards the springtime. Yeah. But some other teams in, in perilous positions. For like. sure. Wishing that they were like the Leafs won six of the last eight. Uh, Chris Cuthbert mm-hmm. called that game. He's going to call the game tonight. We'll get his POV on everything that you just said. And maybe on these two teams who you mentioned are battling yeah. for their playoff lives. Uh, they meeting last night with the Flames beating the Senators 5-1 work. Calgary sits five points out the final playoff spot in the West, while Ottawa remains six points behind the Islanders for the second wild card in the East. So the question is, can either of these teams make a run to the playoffs? Yeah, they're just running out of real estate here. I think that's the biggest problem. I just find it interesting how Maybe a week ago, if you would have asked me or really anyone that's following the league with any level of, of closeness or proximity, which of these two teams has the momentum to make a run to the postseason, I think most people would have said the Senators, hmm. just because of how well they were playing. And then this weekend presents a, a stumble of pretty seismic proportions. Uh, they don't have a lot of room to make up. Um, they don't have a lot of room left to run here. And when it, you look at the, the Calgary Flames, there's a lot of good things happening with the Flames now. Uberdo, a little bit of a, a renaissance here, playing on the left side uh, with yes. Kadri. Uh, Jacob Markstrom has been phenomenal in the month in the month of March. Um, allowed 12 goals in six games in March. 9.36 save percentage, 199 goals against average, 3.21 goals against an 8.86 save percentage in February. So he's turning it around. And you just get the feeling with specifically the Flames, they've been in so many one-goal games this season that if you can somehow find the performances from your best players like they got against the Senators last night from Markstrom, from Uberdo, from Kadri, when Uberdo and Kadri score um, at least two points in a game, they're 6-0-0 this season. So that tells you they need those performances from those guys if they're going to make a run. I do think they both, both teams have it in them, but it's going to be difficult at this point. There's just not a lot of time left. Yeah, the Huberto move to the right wing is interesting because he only had 18 points mm-hmm. out of 30. Uh, you know, sorry, move to the left on the right side. So slotting him back, you know, he's got three multi-point games in the last month. Let's see if they can jump offensively. The tough thing about Ottawa is not even that they lost. Who they lost to? Mm-hmm. Losing to Chicago. Losing to Vancouver, those are points that you really need at this time of year. My question for you, though, is not if they can make a run, because I think Calgary, right, you know, if, if some of the, the teams in the West come back to earth, maybe, do you want to? Like Ottawa, right, it would be a nice playoff experience for them, and they rebuild. Calgary has playoff expectations. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy with the initials of CB. We're talking about Canada basketball. 
who would look really good in either of those markets. And I'm, I'm just asking, do you want to extend your year for another two weeks, or do you want a, a couple more lottery balls? No chance. No chance they at want, what? They want to make the playoffs. Should they? Yes, because it's a very small percentage to that. When you're on the fringe of the playoff race, you're not gonna you're not gonna get Connor Bedard. That's not gonna happen. You're taking a shot at at I know it's a lottery, but you're actually taking a, a shot at a lottery here to try and get Connor Bedard. So I think for those two fan bases, specifically the senators who haven't made the playoffs in a long time, I think whoa, they whoa, want whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. You think you gave a senator fan truth serum. They'd rather make the postseason this year than have Connor Bedard on their team for the no, next they're, decade? They're, they're not. They're not going to. They're not going to get to the. They're not going to be bad enough. Okay. Where they're going to have an opportunity to get Connor Bedard anyway, and their long-suffering fan base, they they want to make it, and it's a natural next step for this organization that has embarked on. I, I guess, frankly, it's been a rebuild. Yeah. A more than a retool, and they have shown you that. They, they certainly have the roster now that can compete. They've been playing playoff hockey or playoff-like hockey for a number of weeks now. And up until this weekend, they had performed admirably doing that. True. And, and we had talked about last week how it seems like all of these teams that are sort of on the periphery of the playoff race, the intensity level has ratcheted up a lot. And the Senators, up until this weekend again, were really showing like they could perform in the postseason because they could play that brand of hockey. They have the Brady Kachuk. Mm-hmm. They have the guys who are able to throw it around a little. They're pesky. And remember the pesky sends? They're kind of pesky again. Right. And I don't know if I'd want to run into them if they were to make the playoffs. But, um, again, they're running out of real estate. And I wouldn't want to play the Flames either, frankly, no. because of the way that they play. They're defensive. They're focused. And uh, they don't give you many opportunities, but they can't seem to win the close games, and that's certainly been their problem uh, all season long. Let's go to the Winnipeg Jets, who entered the weekend having lost seven of their last eight, but they go into Florida and sweep the Panthers and Lightning on back-to-back days. Big sigh of relief. They're back in third in the Central Division. Can Jets fans officially take their finger off of the panic button DJ? I think so. I mean, the power play looks a little bit better. Uh, they scored in their first two power plays against Florida. You know, on the weekend, they were you know, 3 out of 22 leading into Saturday's game. Shifley giving you a career year. Luckily, in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. they're not having the same conversations they are in the two cities we just talked about. But I, th- I think so. They're a team at the bottom of the standings that I would not want to see. We talked about teams you wouldn't want to see in the playoffs. Uh, you know, we've seen a 7 or an 8 before. Uh, with upsets in the first round. That's not a surprise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, for sure. I think there's no reason to panic if you were in Manitoba right now. Yeah. I think the Jets, for the last, it feels like, two years, have been this team that experts have expected big things from, and it hasn't always panned out. But you see when they play well that they sort of have the recipe that can get it done. Connor Hellebuck is a phenomenal goaltender, perennial Vesna candidate, right? And he seems to be, first of all, he's a workhorse, and he continues to get it done. And I think Kevin Dayoff also deserves some flowers here because mm-hmm. – there's a lot of pressure on the Jets when it comes to uh, the trade deadline and making acquisitions via trade because they're not always the hottest free agency right. location, right? And I think he did an outstanding job here with uh, Nino Niederreier specifically and Vladislav Nemestikov because those two guys have stepped right in and contributed right away. And that's maybe the, the little jolt that the Jets needed uh, to sort of get over the hump here. And obviously, uh, uh, it's much, much safer territory being third in the Central versus being in a wild card spot. And I think that based on the talent of that roster, they're well-coached, they have a good goaltender. Uh, again, I, we, we keep saying this about Canadian teams, but 
you mentioned it. These are teams that I, I wouldn't want to play in the postseason. They know how to get it done. They have the, the track record and they have the players. Um, so, again, kudos to the Winnipeg Jets who seem to be turning it up at the right time. Um, not the only Jets that are in the news no, no. Uh, nowadays either. Let's go to the NFL. And free agency doesn't officially open until Wednesday, but the negotiation period with free agents opened today at noon Eastern. And boy, oh boy, have we had an afternoon. Jimmy Garoppolo is heading to the Raiders. Adam Schefter reports it's a three-year deal worth 67.5 million bucks, 34 of which is guaranteed. And the big one, Trey Wingo reporting that a long-rumored Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets is happening and a done deal, but nothing from Ian Rappaport or Schefter on that yet. So, DJ, if it becomes official, what do you make of Rodgers with the New York Jets? Yeah, sorry, I'm just doing the Schefter thing right now. I'm just texting Cabby to see if he <laughs> right. can uh, break right. this news good idea. for all of that us. That would be good for us. Listen, I don't know like if, if Aaron Rodgers is trying to live out what happened to him. Like, you know, like when you're a kid, your parents parent you a certain way, mm-hmm. so you do the exact same thing. Is he trying to be Brett Favre? Like, aside from, you know, the scandalous side of mm-hmm. Brett Favre? Like, not really excited with who the heir apparent is going to be. Probably stays a bit longer than really he's welcome. Is a bit of a diva on the way out. Then goes to the Jets. All he has to do is come back to the NFC North. And maybe uh, the Vikings maybe will ask Rash Madani how he would feel uh, about that later. But, I mean, he's put up consistent numbers as he's aged up until last year. Now, whether it's, that's the fact that he was grooming some rookie, rookie wideouts, which he wasn't willing to work with mm-hmm. in the offseason. Now he's got you know a really talented defense and some young skill position players with the Jets. So I, 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 I like the fit. I don't, if I'm the Jets, I would have rather just given up two picks and gone and got Lamar Jackson, but <clears throat> collusion. But I, I, I do like the fit. I just don't know if he can handle the scrutiny of the New York spotlight. He, he was fighting with reporters in Green Bay where the team is community-owned and the people who cover the team love the team. Mm-hmm. So, man, that, that New York spotlight hits different. Yeah. I, first of all, I think he he has to sign with the Jets now. He has to get traded to the Jets because the Jets don't have any options at quarterback anymore. I mean, I guess they can go out still and get Lamar, but uh, Mike White uh, to the Dolphins also happened today. And certainly based on uh, what we've seen on social media from some of the Jets players, they're not expecting to open camp with Zach Wilson as their their quarterback either. So Derek Carr, obviously, off the table now. He's with New Orleans. So there's just not a lot of options left for the New York Jets. So they better be hoping that Aaron Rodgers does, in fact, make his decision and the trade does happen. But... This is so Aaron Rodgers, though. Oh, it's perfect. Like, he's dragging he's, it out. It's unbelievable. He's the bachelor that like has one rose left and says, I, I need more time and leaves, and they cut to commercial. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, I, I think, I, do you not think that he, this is a, like a perfect fit? You said it was a good fit. But Tremaine Edmonds now, Buffalo, he's gone. He, he, he's signed another team today. He's not on the Bills anymore. And is it possible here that this division with the Jets' defense specifically – being top five in DVOA, their defense, uh, the young s- position players like Bryce Hall and um, Garrett Wilson, they have the pieces there that if they have the quarterback play, and you saw this at times with Mike White, who was playing really, really good football, and they looked like a really good team. They're well coached. They have a good defense. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old, but it feels like 
if they bring him into the fold, this division isn't just going to be a cakewalk for Buffalo anymore. Miami's formidable, the Jets will be formidable, and the Bills are losing pieces, so it becomes a lot more intriguing in the AFC East. Well, I think Mike White knows who the best team in the division is going to be, and that's why he went to Miami. Yeah. They have a 4 by 4 track team, and they just signed Jalen Ramsey to play defense. So uh, and another uh, nice Lamar uh, spot, if that, if that were to happen, yeah. although they extended to uh, I, I think the AFC East is going to be super fascinating, and we haven't mentioned the team that Owned it for two decades, the New mm. England Patriots. Yeah, it's crazy. Which is like, yeah, literally owned it for two decades, and now all of a sudden they're going to be at the basement most likely again. Yeah. Let's go to the World Baseball Classic where Canada is getting set to face the United States tonight. And while the U.S. was upset by Mexico last night, Canada opened their tournament with an 18-8 mercy rule win over Great Britain yesterday, despite going only up. six and a half innings. This is ob obviously the uh, most important part of the game. Yes. It went nearly three hours and 40 minutes, featuring 25 hits, 23 walks, and a WBC record 26 combined runs. So was this the best or worst game you've ever seen? It was It was, It was. was a t-ball game is what it was. You talked about there was a mercy rule. Pretty sure I saw them stop and have orange slices at one point. They had, you know, a ridiculous amount of runs until like 24 hours later. Mm -hmm. They no longer had the most runs in a game. I, I, I loved it, except I needed to take a nap to get through it because look how long this game was. Now, mind you, if you're scoring that many runs, it's going to take a while. But still, I was not for some of the changes that Major League Baseball made until I started watching the World Baseball Classic and was reminded what actual baseball is like. I love the emotion. I love the passion. I will wrap myself in the flag no matter what the sport is. So I am there. Can't wait for us to play USA Tonight. We're going to check in with Rash Padani to tee us up for that. But, man, it took a while to get through. Yeah. it's <laughs> for The World Baseball Classic has been amazing. And you mentioned it. We're going to talk uh, a little bit to Rash Padani about that. But I want to get to some highlights because the, the World Baseball Classic is ongoing. Great Britain, 0-2 thus far, taking on Colombia, who are 1-0. This is in Canada's group top of the second we go. Runner on third with two outs for Colombia's Oscar Mercado. He singles off starter Tyler Viza. Run scores one zip. Colombia top four after Great Britain walked three batters to load the bases. Dayan Freyas singles sharply to run score. Colombia lead three zip. Things not going great for Great Britain at, nope. this, at the classic. Bottom four, Great Britain down 3-1, now the base is loaded for Chavez Young, he bounces one through the hole, two runs played, I spoke too soon, I spoke too soon. We're tied at three in the bottom of the fifth. Okay. And this game is currently ongoing on Sportsnet 1 as you look behind us. Uh, I love the passion of the, the World Baseball Classic. Like this is, we, we really like baseball in this country. Other countries, and you're seeing this in, in the atmosphere and the environment down in Arizona, this is unbelievable. These countries love, love baseball. Yeah, some of the scenes of the, the Japan fans has been really cool. Uh, we're in the fifth, two hours and 20 minutes. Right? Yeah, we're so spoiled, though. It's kind of a joke. It's kind of a joke. Like, we just, it's spring training. We just got the pitching clock, and all of a sudden we can't watch World Baseball, Classic Baseball, because it's too long. It is true. Like, we were talking about this in the morning, in the morning meeting. Everyone's griping about it. It's like, it just happened. Uh, okay, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays, where manager John Schneider gave a number of injury updates today. Schneider saying Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is feeling great after suffering some knee inflammation, and the Jays are hoping to have him back soon. That's the good news 
The other news, top prospect Ricky Tiedemann has a sore left shoulder. He's been shut down for a couple days but expects to throw on Wednesday. And after arriving at camp late due to the birth of his daughter, Alejandro Kirk making his spring training debut today against the Red Sox. Alec Manoa making his third start of the spring. Ready to go, and he's got Kirk there behind the plate for his spring debut. Top of the first, Manoa strikes out Daniel Palka with the slider, looking as sharp as ever. A 1-2-3 inning for Manoa, bottom one. Bo Bichette, boom. Mid-season okay. form, mid-season form. That's a solo shot, his first home run of the spring. Jays up, one zip, three batters later. New Blue Jay, Kevin Kiermeyer. Chops one to first. Polka fields it, but Kiermaier, okay. a little acrobatics, dodges the tag, well saves the first. And that would load the bases. Jays would score another to lead. Two zip, back to Manoa. He'd strike out five over three in a third innings, allows three earned runs on two hits. I do have to mention he issued four walks. Bottom four, Bichette, back to the dish. Working on something. forward to that. Bo Bichette jumps on another one. Absolutely punished. The second home run this afternoon for Bo Bichette. 453 foot bomb from Bichette. He finishes with four RBI, 8-3 Jays. Next batter, Kirk. Get down. That's a base hit. He finished one for one with two walks. Jays win big 16-3. The final year's manager, John Schneider, on Kirk's spring debut. I mean, on base three times, two walks, and a, and a line drive. Um, it's kind of his MO, but I think more so just the four innings with Manoa was good. Um, getting him used to the, you could see the, the new rules with him a little bit with the automatic ball ball with the three ball count. Um, so things like that, we're looking forward to him kind of get, get used to. We work really well with each other, you know, kind of yin and yang kind of thing. Uh, you know, I bring more of the energy. He's more kind of just, you know, relaxed, gives his opinion where he needs it. It was good to have him back there, you know, and. Uh, kind of get him in the swing of games again, um, you know, get him to understand, you know, the pitch clock and certain things like that. You know, it kind of is a little bit of a different game right now. Amazing stuff. We got more baseball for you coming up. Still to come, Chris Cuthbert and Sean McKenzie from Scotiabank Arena, head of the Leafs and Sabres. Tonight, Elliot Friedman. He's in fine form at the NHL GM meetings in Florida. Rasmadani in the World Baseball Classic in Arizona, also getting a tan. And after the break, the Jays star George Springer joins us live to discuss his hot spring and a new look Jays outfield more ways than one. Oh, he has a tan too. Uh, I don't think he needs a tan. <laughs> I think he's fine. Uh, Tim and friends, let's go. George Springer comes back to Houston and leads off the ball game with a home run. Springer back. He's got it! What a catch by Springer! Stolen! Murder in front! What a goal! More Mitch Murder magic! Oh my gosh! Wow! He got rung up on ball two and the game is over! Oh my goodness, that is horrific! Full experience of George Springer. Oh, what a catch! George Springer's doing it all tonight! Left field, get out of here! Yeah! What a moment for George Springer! Race in the back, Springer! Oh, what a catch! 
A sensational play by George Springer in deep center to right field. Springer back. He's got it! How about that play from George Springer? As everybody watching tonight knows, has had a flair for the dramatic. The 3-2. And drilled to left center field! Grand slam, George Springer! Oh. You hear the noise? You hear the noise? We got some goosebumps right uh, there. Our next guest is going to his third season in Toronto, yet we already have more than enough highlights to put together a neat little montage like that. More to come this season, I am sure. Please welcome to Tim and Friends from the Toronto Blue Jays, George hey. Springer. Thanks for doing this, George. What's up? How we doing? <laughs> all good. All good. Uh, so, first of all, a um, bit of a grind for you last year, uh, health-wise, obviously. How have the last six months or so uh, been for you? How are you feeling? Uh, I mean, they've been long to be honest, but you know, I got, I feel great now. I'm in a, I'm in a good spot. Um, I'm extremely happy about everything and you no, know, just trying to get through spring training and get this thing going. Well, uh, you're having a heck of a spring homers in three straight games. Take the day off today to talk to us, which we appreciate. Thank you. Not in the lineup 100%. today. <laughs> um, but you know, you obviously don't want to peak too early. But what has this spring been like for you, with real expectations, some new faces around you, and obviously you trying to get your game right? Uh, it's been good. You know, obviously it's a little bit of a longer spring than we're used to having. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the classics on and all that stuff. But it's 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 good, man. It's it's. It's good to start to get into the flow of things. You know, swing starting to feel a little bit better. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, a hard game, and you know, we we uh, we had about five or six months to to get right, and you know, I'll, I'm happy about it so far. But you know, I have uh, a long couple. I don't know, what is it? Probably twelve games to go. So, you know, I still got a lot of time to get ready. So obviously there's been some uh, additions to the team and specifically uh, in the outfield. So just from, from an outfielder's perspective, what's the sort of adjustment period like when you're trying to, to get used to playing with new teammates and then in your case, perhaps more uh, right field, a different position than you're, you're used to? Uh, yeah, you know, I just think for us, it's all about getting used to how each other plays, right. you know, get, getting, getting adjusted to different communication terms. Um, you know, guys, guys will guys have different strengths, um, you know, that they, they like to go after certain balls, you know, more, more and what, whether that's in, out, you know, in the gap or not. Um, so it's just kind of getting in the feel of things and learning, you know, who's over to my right, um, you know, and, and at times who's over to my right and left and just kind of un understanding each other. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously see how this thing plays out. You know, obviously it's, uh, it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, hopefully it'll be pr pretty darn good. Well, you've got some new dimensions in that outfield at home in Rogers Center uh, to manage. Also, some new patio options for people to watch and cheer uh, and get excited around you about. But how much, if at all, can you really look at what the ballpark's going to look like, how it's going to play, uh, and think about what it's going to be like, you know, during the regular season? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously for us, you know, starting on the road um, isn't necessarily the most ideal thing when you got a lot of new dimensions out there and, you know, some higher walls and, and, uh, in certain places, but you know what, it is what it is. I think for us, so well, once we get back from that trip, you know, that, that first day will be huge for us to, to, to get to know, um, 
the field. You know, you're not going to necessarily know how the field will play um, until you get in a game. And you're just going to have to just go off your eyes and off your instincts. And, you know, hopefully you don't really do something that bad to screw it up. But, you know, we're just going to have to see how this thing plays out. Well, fans will get to see uh, the renovations on opening day. Uh, Rogers Moments is giving fans a chance to win a VIP trip to watch the Blue Jays' home opener live. This experience includes premium tickets to watch the game, round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, spending cash, and exclusive behind-the-scenes access to enter for your chance to win. Head to rogers.com slash Blue Jays. The contest closes on April the 4th. So, George, I want to ask about uh, being back in front of the Rogers Center crowd. What is that like playing in front of not only uh, a, a crowd like that, but a crowd on opening day that you know is going to be packed to the brim that's going to be just going going crazy for you? Uh, it's electric. You know, obviously, um, you know, the playoff atmosphere is, is, is something that everybody still talks about. Um, you know, I, 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 I think for us, the, the, the uniqueness of being in a, you know, being the only team in a country, um, is awesome. You know, I think there's, there's, there's something special to being on the line and on here, the national anthem, um, especially for us. So it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, it's obviously a great fan base. All of us love, love finally getting a chance to be at home and, and really kind of enjoying being in our own, you know, our home ballpark and, and our home fans. I was only half listening because I was on rogers.com slash Blue Jays trying to get those Rogers moments <laughs> tickets. Um, but it, it, you know, when you were coming up as a kid, we, we saw the, the faces of people at uh, you know, home openers. I remember going the day after the yeah. home opener uh, you know, with my family. <laughs> what are you, some of your special moments of uh, you know, being at the ballpark and being immersed in that atmosphere? As a kid or yeah. as a, like a player? As a kid um man they're cool i actually think I, I i was at i believe the home opener when the red sox played the seattle mariners and i'm pretty positive mo vaughn an absolute throwback name um <laughs> hit a walk-off grand slam that day and I, i'm pretty sure it was opening day i I'm, i may be off by one <laughs> but i think it's 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 awesome you know to to see kids happy you know to see kids smiling to, just to know that you know there's going to be baseball for the next x amount of months is uh you know, for us as a, a player is awesome to see. And, you know, as a kid, you get to go to the stadium, you get to eat stadium food and do whatever you want and just kind of enjoy baseball. So was it 1998 coming back from 7-2 down, walk-off Grand Look Slam? At you. My what? goodness. Uh, I believe so. I don't wow. remember exactly what it was. <laughs> I just remember my dad asked if I wanted to go to the game. And th this was back when you, you, you could get a seat for like five bucks. And you just... You just drove up, asked if I wanted to go. We went, and they were getting beaten. I'm pretty positive I wanted to go home. And my dad was like, nope, you never know what could happen. And, you know, here you go. Well, our, our crack research staff and producer Thomas Dobby says entering the ninth down 7-2, and they come back with the walk-off. So uh, pretty big memory. That's a pretty cool uh, moment to have. You, you made a great memory and a great moment um, for a young man who s stuttered uh, and struggled with his speech. And it was written uh, about, and there's a great video online about it. I, I, did you see any of the interaction after it went a, a bit viral when the story came out? Uh, no, you know, because I, I, I know him, you know, beyond that. I know him well. Um, 
No, he's such a good kid. He's such a you know smart, funny, bright young kid. And and if you got a chance to kind of sit with Mateo and 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 kind of hear him, you you would would it's 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 very hard to explain. But you know he he's just he's such a fun kid to be around. And and you know I'll I'll never forget him. You know I I talk to him a lot. So I'm 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 glad I could do that. And and you know spend some time with him. You know I I actually haven't had the chance to see him and. A long time but i've been able to talk to him and man it was it was awesome to see him very cool yeah that is so cool um i just want to get to uh fans were i don't want to say up in arms but the the home run jacket last season was a a big topic of conversation and uh, obviously we now know that you guys are putting the home run jacket uh, away and you're a big leader in the clubhouse and i just want to know if you were a part of those conversations to sort of decide, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction here. We're going to maybe start fresh. Uh, I mean, it got brought to my attention and I said, well, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for, for the team, I'm all in for the boys. And you know, I think, I think for us, it's, it's kind of understanding, you know, a new identity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, be, be the team that we know is in there, you know, is, is, is in the locker room and, you know, yeah, obviously small things can can affect you or, or not affect you. And just think it was kind of one of those things where it was just a group decision. And, you know, here we are. Love it. One of the faces and voices that's part of that new identity uh, is James Click, someone who you know well mm-hmm. from your time in Houston. Your last year there was his first year uh, there. What will his expertise bring uh, to the group in the front office in Toronto? Um, a lot, you know, he's obviously extremely smart. You know, he knows, he knows how to navigate, you know, a team, you know, he, he obviously, um, you know, had a, uh, a championship team last year and, you know, feels the exact same way about our team now. And I, I think, you know, he can, can bring a difference of, of opinion. Um, you know, and I think, you know, that'll be good. And, and I've been just, just getting a, a chance to talk to him, you know, has been fun. That's been cool. And, you know, he's excited about our group, you know, and as am I. As are we. Yeah, as are we. Hey, George, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, we really appreciate it. Continued success uh, in the spring and obviously uh, as the days go on closer towards the, the regular season. So thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Stay warm. <laughs> yeah, we need it. We'll try. We need the good luck. Thanks. Uh, Rogers Moments, again, is uh, giving fans a chance to win a VIP trip to watch the Blue Jays' home opener live when hopefully the weather gets warm. Uh, this experience includes premium tickets to watch the game, round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, spending cash, and exclusive behind-the-scenes access. To enter for your chance to win, head to rogers.com slash bluejays. The contest closes on April the 4th. I, for one, can't wait to see... The renovations, yes. uh, all the new additions that the Blue Jays made uh, to the organization this year. So it just feels like there's a lot. There's a lot going on around the Blue Jays organization because the roster, it's the stadium that they play in. It's a different vibe heading into uh, the regular season. Oh, for sure. And they, you know, announced this weekend. There's a new general admission ticket, 20 mm-hmm. bucks. You come in the building, you move around, uh, be in one of those uh, beautiful patios watching George Springer and company do uh, their thing in the outfield. So, yeah, it is. Uh, we, we talked about the NCAA tournament yeah. uh, off air and how we, we don't feel like the same amount of hype uh, going into this tournament. There's a lot of hype going into this there's, Blue Jays season. There's a lot. Tim and Friends will be live on the field okay. for the home opener. We'll be bringing a show uh, to the viewers from April there. So 11th. that's okay. 
I think that's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. All right, time for a break. When we come back, highlights from the Canadians in action today at Indian Wells. Plus, we do the plays of the week. Okay. That's all coming well, That's got to be one. That's yeah. got to be one. You think so? Come on. You can rank it. Go ahead, Mitch. Action continuing at Indian Wells today. Three Canadians still in the mix. Bianca Andreescu will face world number one Iga Sviatek later tonight in the third round, while Felix and Layla both played earlier today. Okay, Convenient time to check out some highlights. Montreal's Layla Fernandez facing world number five Caroline Garcia. First set, Garcia serving at 2-1. Finishes the point with a backhand up the line and wins the set. 6-4, second set we go. Needs a tie break where Garcia moves forward. But Layla, oh, the passing shot. Wins the breaker, 7-5. Well done, it has the approval of DJ. Third and deciding set we go. The 29-year-old Garcia overwhelms the young Canadian with some net play and great ground stroke. She wins the set 6-1. As Garcia, a bit of a tough draw for Layla. Garcia eliminates Fernandez in three sets. Felix Oje Aliassime beat Francisco Serendolo in their only career meeting at the Aussie Open in January. First set, Felix taking it on the chin, literally. Wow. Yeah, you see right there, hits himself on the face. It was cut open. Ooh. Ooh. Needed to get his cut glued back together before returning to the match, but he's Canadian. Did he you is. expect anything different? No. Right back on the court. Let's go. Back on the court. Felix sends one out wide before putting away the forehand. He takes the opening set 7-5. Canadian fans enjoying that from Felix. Second set, Felix up 5-4, serving for the match. Again, gets his opponent moving before putting away... The volley. OJ Aliassime advances after the straight sets win 7-5, 6-4. Good stuff, Felix. All right, uh, it's that time. Is you want to get up? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get up, do some plays. Oh, come on. All right, let's walk over. I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. All right, uh, there's a lot to get to here, obviously. Uh, a lot of really exciting plays. Okay. So we'll run through it. You give us some of your takes. Okay, let's do it. The Maybe track. get a. I love the music. Coffee? Maybe a cup of tea. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that accent was. Honestly, I have no idea. I don't know about you. Uh, but these baseball highlights are making me feel a certain way. Let's get right to it. World Baseball Classic. <laughs> Korea, Ultimate Japan. Uh, this is going to be Lars Newtbar, an absolute sensation What's in Japan. Lars Newtbar. Okay. I believe his mom is uh, Japanese. Japan is 4-0. Uh, Steph Curry, known Ooh. for his full-court tunnel shots it's in warm-up. Oh, sometimes gone. they go in, sometimes bad things happen. Mike That's Breen, tough. bang! Yeah, that bad is big. Almost a double bang. Uh, how about this? Oh. Cut or uncut? Saying they're going to make both free throws, and then missing both and losing the game in overtime. Only Cut had to uncut. make one. So that's he's, he's the worst. He's the worst. Yeah, he's so annoying. Grant Williams? Leader of the PA, Not apparently. Fan. He's annoying. Uh, let's head to the ice. Ducks cracking. Trevor Zegers. Wow. I mean, how, how sick is that? I mean, the slow-mo doesn't even do it justice. It's better at real time. The so audacity fast. to even think to try it. Ridiculous. Um, oh. Mitch Marner. Yep. Thank in a you. phone booth. 
Offense to defense. That's ridiculous. Mitch on pace for 105 Uh. points this year. Oh, that's a TikTok thing. Yeah, that that is. (laughs) That's really good. That's very good. Uh, Sens Flames both fighting for wild card spots. Ottawa struggling a bit these days, but the Flames, they could certainly use more of this from Jonathan Huberto. Such skill. Sens Canucks, was this a really good play or a really bad D? Both. Both can be true. It's not what you need when you're Ottawa and trying to make the playoffs. Andre Kuzmenko. No. One on five. Uh, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned goalie fight. University of Minnesota Ryan Fanti against Brad Barone. University? Wow, these kids are going to be sitting for a while after this. So tired you got to be as a goalie. Yes. Fighting. I can attest to that. I never fought, but I can attest to being tired as a goalie. Uh, here's Tyreek Hill doing the 60-meter sprint. He faced an electrician, a plumber, and a stock trader. I'm so, joking, but... He faced me so far. <laughs> he won it easily in 6.7 seconds. Uh, can you do this? This, this guy's going to be in Creed 4. Look at this. No, this is Ryan Garcia. He's a former lightweight boxing champ, and he's blindfolded. And he's got a big fight coming up in April. It's Javante Davis. Bit of a boxing head. Quietly. Uh, Not so quiet. Does this guy no. have anything on uh, Mac McClung? No. That's, no. that's crazy. That is crazy. Is that the, the pass is yeah. harder than dunk. I, I agree. Oh. Uh, here we go. Raptors, Clippers, Kawhi goes to town. Why? On Yakapuro. Not only did he get traded for you to come win a championship, he's back, and then you do that to him. Dude, he smiled. Oh, I never smiled. He smiled with his eyes. Smiled. Josh Okoge, one-handed slam over Malik Monk, plus the foul. But let's get to the most viral play of the weekend. Have umpires finally gone too far. You got to see this. This is this is tough. Kind of ridiculous. Big gamble to take in the ninth. 1-1. Call the strike there, and it's 1-2. And and, oh, my. Mims is showing where 1-2 coming. It's down. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He got rung up on ball two, and the game is over. Oh, my goodness. That is horrific. Two, Two things for you. Number one, what would you do if... That strike got called on you. I'd cry. I think I'd cry. You'd cry. You wouldn't get angry. I, 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 I'd call Fred Van Vliet. You don't say I'm someone who gets angry very often. I don't even know how you can get angry at that. Like, that was so ridiculous. The catcher was getting ready to throw it back to the pitcher. I know. I he, know. he couldn't even frame that. That's how outside it was. Can I tell you? I have an update. The umpire has been suspended. Ugh. It seems indefinitely. <laughs> As he should be. As he should be. Because that's egregious. If anyone underperforms like that at their job, there's ramifications. He needs an eye test and a reprimand is what that umpire needs. <laughs> you know what that is? That is a wonderful endorsement of robot umpires. That's true. Uh, you, you think that's happening anytime soon? Uh, yeah. It's not, yes. It's not Things te- are happening in baseball, tennis. dude. Pitch clock, robot umpires. It's going to be a whole new sport. We'll ask Arash Madan. Love it. Because the baseball lifers, yeah. that's the hill they're going to die on. Okay. I like, I like Kyle's fashion. Bring that back. Elliot Friedman at the GM meetings in Florida. I'll let you boy. We'll get the scoop on what's being discussed. Talk all things hockey with Preach coming up next. No Tim, Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends, time for Tim and Friends. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Back here for full second hour on Tim and Friends. 
I'm Donovan Bennett. I'm alongside Jesse Rubinov as Tim enjoys a little March break with the family, well-deserved, uh -huh. uh, but relax. He'll be back on Thursday. Yes, he will. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a great second hour lined up with Elliot Freeman, Chris Cuthbert, and Arash Madani all on the way ahead of Hockey Central, which immediately follows us at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then it's the Leafs hosting the Sabres across the country on Sportsnet. The Leafs coming off a great 7-4 win over the Oilers on Saturday night. Matt Murray will once again get the start with Ilya Samsonov not 100%, someone who's always 100%. Sean McKenzie joins <laughs> us now with more from Scotiabank Arena. Sean. Jesse, 100% is a rookie number. I give it 110%, <laughs> even 120% when I'm feeling extra cliche. <laughs> I'm a 120% guy. You may not know it. I only look 70, 80% half the time, but it's what I'm giving. That's all that matters. Okay, let's get to the topic. Yes, Matt Murray goes once again because Ilya Samsonov, not quite 100%, as you mentioned, but that's not the only reason that Sheldon Keefe is going back to Matt Murray for first time he's made consecutive starts since January. He thought that as, as the game went along against the Edmonton Oilers, Murray got better and better. And after a long layoff, they just want to get Murray into a groove. They want to see him get some rhythm. So the fact that maybe he was starting to improve as the game went on led Keefe to believe that, hey, they want to get him another start. They want to get him some runway and see what he can do. Enough about the goalies. Let's get to the fun topic of 7 and 11. It is <laughs> not sexy. It's not the least bit exciting. But it is a major topic amongst Leafs Nation right now because Sheldon Keefe keeps going back to 11-7. We will see it here once again. Keith saying that, yes, 12-6 and six is easy, and it might make the most sense sometimes, but he thought that this team has played their best with 11-7 and seven as of late, so he's going to keep doing it. You mentioned, um, you mentioned Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, and I want to get your take on this, but I, I feel like with Matt Murray getting these extra starts and the experience that Matt Murray has in the playoffs, and obviously he, he'd have to play better for this to be an option, but I'm wondering your opinion on whether in a perfect world, Matt Murray is the Leafs goaltender in game one of the postseason. I think the phrase you use there is the perfect way to describe it, in the perfect world. I think if you're the Maple Leafs brass and you're Sheldon Keefe, you're going, yes, in the perfect world, Matt Murray is your playoff starter, but we don't live in a perfect world. And We've seen Ilya Samsonov be very, very good for the Maple Leafs, especially here at home. So you have to take that in consideration. But we're going to see Matt Murray a lot down the stretch here. The Maple Leafs will give Matt Murray a lot of runway to prove himself, to see what he can do. Yes, he's got a ton of Stanley Cup experience, mm -hmm. but we know that this is a league of what have you shown me as of late. So Ilya Samsonov, he's been the better goalie. There's no denying that. But you need two goalies going into the playoffs. They would ideally want both of them up to speed. I don't think any decisions have been made yet, but they're going to give Matt Murray a lot of runway here to see just what type of rhythm he can get himself into. Awesome, as always. Sean, please continue to give it 110, maybe 120%, and we'll catch up soon, okay? Always. For you, anything, Jesse. And you. Enjoy the game. Oh, man, uh, I'm enjoying his uh, suit. That was 110%. Yeah, he's always sharp uh, In Montreal, Habs are looking good, hosting the Abs. Colorado enter the night fourth in the Central and in the second wildcard spot in the West. But with games in hand on those above them, it will be a return for Arturi Lekkinen, who hasn't played at the Bell Center since being traded to the Abs at last year's deadline and then winning a cup. See this one tonight on Sportsnet East as part of Rogers' Monday Night Hockey. All right, meantime, the NHL GM meeting is getting underway today in Palm Beach, Florida. Elliot Friedman is there covering it for us, so it's time for 3F32, brought to you by GMC 
and the new Sierra AT4X. Fridge looking dapper as ever. Nice tan. Uh, how are nice the glasses. what are some of the takeaways uh, from day one of the GM meetings in Florida? Well, my number one takeaway is Donovan. Good to see you classing up the show. That's my number one takeaway. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, like honestly, Jesse, nothing too earth shattering today. I, I think we'll find out uh, tomorrow, day two, Tuesday, if we get anything actionable out here. Basically, what they do is is it began Monday morning, 8 a.m. today, and they meet up in kind of their smaller groups for the most part. And you kind of go over and you say, okay, what is everybody here really passionate about? And then tomorrow you take it to the bigger group and you kind of see, okay, does this really get any traction? Mm. Is this something a majority of the managers uh, and the league really want to see if they can push forward? And there's a couple things we're going to hear about here. Number one is puck over glass. Now, I have to say this, guys. I do live in fear. I, I shouldn't say I live in fear, but I do worry <laughs> about the, the possibility of a Stanley Cup getting decided on a wrong puck over the glass call. Like, you know, Merrick talks about this a lot, and I think it's right, and I'm basically stealing it as my idea. I always think about how is this going to look if a Stanley Cup final game is decided on it? And if the puck over glass rule uh, is the way it is, you know, sometimes it's really hard to tell. Did it hit something? Did it deflect off a stick? This is something I would like to see reviewed personally, and they're going to talk about it. I think the only things against it, guys, are that I think they feel the replay's gotten on too long. The games have been slowed down mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, do they want to add something else to video review? I just think at the end of the day, it would be better than the consequences of them not looking at it and a call gets missed. So I think that's one thing we're going to look at. Um, you know, right now, if a, if a referee calls a major stick foul, for example, um, you can review it and get it taken down. But, you know, the other thing is if it's, a high sticking penalty and it turns out that you know your teammate was the one who did it by accident you can't necessarily review that that's another thing they're going to look at too and we'll see if anything else comes out of this it's interesting you mentioned the fact they're going to meet in groups and bring up things that some people care about and you're going to do that based off of what you're incentivized to talk about uh, cap circumvention yes. and having teams take mm. essentially cap space and and hide it is that something where there's enough people who haven't benefited from it who feel like that's something that needs to be addressed are you talking about like Tampa 18 million over the cap or Arizona 30 million <laughs> under the cap? Which are you referring to here, Donovan? Uh, both. All of the above is how I answer multiple choice questions. You know, I really thought that uh, if, if anything was going to change with the over the cap, like the Tampa thing, I thought it was going to be last year. Um, you know, look, I personally have no problem with that. If you're trying to win, uh, I would do anything. Like If it was me and I was a a general manager. First of all, if I was a general manager, my team would probably be nowhere near the Stanley Cup. But if it was, I would do anything I could to win. Like, I'm one of those guys in fantasy pools. I create rules. I break rules. <laughs> Unless there's something specific that says I can't do something, I'm going to do it, or at least try to. So I have no problem with going over the cap to win as long as these are legitimate injuries. It's happened before. It's been established. And people do get legitimately hurt. And I think, honestly, uh, Donovan, if that was going to get changed, it was going to get changed last year because there were a lot of complaints about it, but it's a really hard thing to do. Those injury protections are there for a reason. 
You know, when it comes to the other thing with Arizona, yes, I think there's a lot of grumbling about it. I think there's a lot of people who are unhappy about it. But if that's going to change, it's not going to change at the GM level. It's going to change at the Board of Governors level. Hmm. Did people look at, or some of the GMs look at what transpired during trade deadline week and the actual day? Like, there was a lot of action, and a lot of that had to yep. do with the Arizona Coyotes maybe working as a bit of a facilitator for a lot of those moves. So... Is there anyone within the league that looks at that and says, hey, we got a lot more movement than we usually get, so maybe it's not such a bad thing after all? No, I, I think, Jesse, most of us do agree with that. Um, I, I, now, I will say this. Merrick talked about it. I think there's at least one team that thinks that the way we do three-way trades, because basically you have to do multiple calls, and <clears throat> nobody will tell me what the trade was, Jesse. But apparently there was one trade this year that was really problematic because, you know, what the way it works is you get on a phone call, you approve one part of the deal, then you approve the second part of the deal, and then you have to kind of approve everything. It can mm -hmm. be two or three calls. And apparently there was one call this year where the last team to get on said, wait a sec, that's not what we agreed to. And people were kind of like, uh-uh, we already approved step one, and we've already approved step two. We're not going backwards here. So... I think there's been some talk about is there an automated way? Maybe you can use chat GP or whatever to, <laughs> to figure out how to do these kinds of trades. I, I, don't, I don't know if uh, uh, I don't know which way it's going to go here. I know there's been some, but the thing is you need that. In a tight cap world, you absolutely have to have three-way deals. Unless, Jesse, you're going to change the CBA and say a team can keep 75% instead of 50. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to make trades without this. And I think it needs to be there. These are things now Daniel Briere is waking up thinking about as he replaces uh, you know, Fletcher as the GM in Philly. Do you see that not being interim and in, in the timing? Why now? And what does this mean for him kind of walking into the GM meetings uh, anew? Well, I thought it was really interesting, Donovan. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of people who requested to speak to him. Uh, Briere said he didn't want to talk on day one of the meetings. The expectation is he's going to talk tomorrow on day two. You know, I, I, I kind of like that. I think it's, you know, respectful, doesn't want to be the, the whole attention on him for day one. I get it. So we'll see what he says tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I was surprised at the timing, and I don't think I was the only one. Look, I think everybody realized the Philadelphia Flyers were going to make a GM change at the end of the season. And uh, I think some people were caught by surprise that they made it last Friday morning, including Fletcher himself. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting there. Like, Briere's the interim guy, Donovan, but, you know, you've been around sports a long time. I Like, the way he's talking, he's got a plan. The organization's well aware of what his plan was because he was already there. Um, I think people are going to be really surprised if, if he's not the GM or one of these two positions. I think now it's a conversation about what's going on around him. Like, I don't think Tortorella's going anywhere. I think he's going to be a big part of this. I think it's going to be Briere and Tortorella, and, and we'll see. I think there's a ton of interest in that job. The Flyers are uh, a, a really great franchise in NHL history, passionate fan base. People want to work there. I To me, it's all about what's going to happen around them, and I think we're still determining that at this point in time. Speaking of passionate fan bases, one of the other major stories around the league is the potential new ownership in Ottawa. Uh, can you tell us the latest mm -hmm. on what's happening in that situation? So they had their uh, opening bids last week, and the league said today that they're going to 
like the commissioner's talking on Wednesday. He usually talks after this is over, so we'll see if he has any more to say. Uh, the deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, said today that, you know, it's going to take a couple of weeks. Uh, I had a banker friend of mine because um, I've read more about banking this weekend with that thing in California more than I ever could have read, and I still don't understand any of it. But a banker friend of mine said that the thing that happens next is what's called check bids. And they're going to go back to people here who submitted bids, and they're going to ask them for more information. They're going to make sure whatever number they submitted was real, and they're either going to ask them to confirm that number and show how they're going to get to it or say, you've got to go higher. And that's what you kind of do now. I think now this is the real meat of it. Mm -hmm. And out of this, we'll probably get what usually happens is they go to one or two people and they say, okay, you're kind of who we're looking at here, but either we accept your bid was as it is and now we're going to work to close or you're a person we really like here but you're not high enough and are you willing to get higher to get to a place where you could own this team so check bids is the next part of the process and after that we'll get to the true favorites of who's going to own the Ottawa Senators. I got to say, that, that's very impressive. Not only are you an insider, but also evidently uh, a banker in your yes. spare time. Well, I mean, no, do, do, do you no, know I'm not? Do you not know what, what school you went to? Or whatever passes for a checkbook right. now, I'm not a banker. Right. It's and the, Donovan, I still don't have my degree, so I can't take any credit for anything. <laughs> out of you, you love to say that, but you're like the most famous alumni, so I think you're fine. Uh, I, I <laughs> like you, lament, though, that there have not been any championships from uh, the University of Western this spring semester, but we have not only March Madness, we have the Frozen Four. And I love this time of year because mm. all of a sudden, some NCAA players, as they lose, they potentially might win uh, and might be impacts uh, down the stretch in the NHL. Are there any NCAA names as free agent signings that pique your interest? Uh, well, Vancouver signed a, a one today that was important to them, Aiden McDonough, and he's going to join them and play a little bit at the NHL level. Um, so it, basically the way it works, Donovan, is, is a lot of these players, they won't sign unless there's an agreement that they can play at the end of the year because it burns the first year of their contracts, right? So that's, you know, so Vancouver, that's one of the reasons that, you know, the Canucks are, are, are going are gonna to have him play. But they're very excited to have him. You know, Northeastern, which lost on the weekend, they've got Jaden Struble in, in Montreal. You know, everybody knows Harris. He's had a really nice year there. Struble's another guy out of that school. We'll see what happens with this week. Uh, Devin uh, Levi, Buffalo wants to sign him. Uh, and, you know, Buffalo suffered a goalie injury today. I don't, or the other day with Eric Comrie, unfortunately. I don't know that it's smart to say, um, you know, he's the savior or anything like that, but he's a really talented kid. And I know the Sabres weren't happy about some rumors that they were looking into goalies because they wanted this kid to know he had a path. If he signed with him, there was going to be a path to play. So he's deciding right now. I know the Sabres want to sign him. And uh, I had a brief conversation today with uh, Ken Holland. He wouldn't say much about Skylar Brindamore. And Skylar Brindamore was, is in his last year of college hockey. Now, they're going to play in the tournament, from what I understand, regardless. Uh, Donovan, he's Rod Brindamore's son. He's a little bit older. He'll be 24 this summer. And the Oilers, uh, Colin didn't want to say much, but the Oilers are really deciding what to do here. I think they really love the fact that he's a Brindamore. <laughs> when you're part of that family, you're, you're, you, you are wired a certain way, and that's a good thing. But I do think there's some other teams circling around him 
waiting to see what happens there. So we'll see which way Edmonton goes. Uh, we'll be watching it and we'll be uh, listening and watching to 32 Thoughts to get all the info. Please, you've, you've done the Lord's work. You're surrounded by palm trees, yet you're talking to us. Take off the Jack Victor suit. Put those uh, gas station glasses over your eyes. Go enjoy some time <laughs> with your family. Uh, thank you for doing this work. I, 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 I wouldn't call them gas station glasses. Maybe liquor cigarette store glasses. <laughs> You're much different. Uh, good much call. Different. I was thinking of SIDS eyewear. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Fridge. Take, take care, guys. See you later. Uh, always the best to catch up uh, with Fridge. Uh, more hockey on the way as we visit with another beauty, Chris Cuthbert, who's at the rink. Plus, after the break, we'll head to Florida, uh, from Florida to Arizona, as Rasmidani drops by to tee up Canada against the USA at the World Baseball Classic tonight. A must-win for us Canadians. It's Tim and Friends. We talk to people who are in warm destinations. Everyone needs gas station houses. They do. All right, some more World Baseball Classic action. Pool C, Great Britain, 0-2 thus far, taking on Colombia, who are 1-0. Bottom of the fourth. Great Britain down 3-1, but of the bases loaded for Chavez Young. Bounces one through the hole, two runs come in to score, and just like that, Great Britain ties things up at three, top of the fifth. <laughs> you like that, eh? I love it. Yeah, the tea, Sally? Doesn't get much better than that. Jorge Alfaro lifts one deep into foul territory, but Young! Okay. Look at that! Flashing the leather, makes the tough grab. High five's a fan, too, for good measure. We're still tied up. Bottom of the fifth, we go two on two up for Blue Jays prospect, Jaden Rudd. Shoots it the other way. Boat runner score. And just like that, 5-3 Great Britain. Bottom of the seventh, Harry Ford turns on one. Get out of here. That's quite a name, too. Harry Ford. Solo shot. Second dinger of the tournament makes it 6-3 Great Britain. Prince Harry. Prince Harry. That is too good. Round him and everything, Too good. Just like that. God save the kid. Let's go. And now, when Great Britain wins that game, Canada might find themselves, or they will find themselves, atop of the pool. Who knew? Pool C, the group of death. Look at Canada, that. top for now. My goodness. Yeah, for now. Well, for now. listen. Uh, hey, you never know. I don't, I'm just you throw the records saying. out just, when yeah. Canada and the United States you know, you need are in competition. Did, yeah. you, did you not see uh, yeah. our women at the Olympics? You know who did? Who did? Rash Madani, because whether that. it is the Olympics or the Davis Cup or the World anything, Baseball Classic, yeah. if Canadians are competing, Rash Madani is there, and he is there for yes, us. Sir. Uh, how are you, Rash? So many different places I want it's to go. It's Sir Harry Ford, by the way. Oh, my mistake. Not Prince Harry Ford. <laughs> my, my, sir. My, my mistake. My mistake. He plays for the single-A Modesto Nuts. Of course you know that. Testo nuts. Of course you know that. Sir, Harry, my mistake. I'm, I'm not caught up on the crown. It's <laughs> yeah. my bad. Um, and and it, they're six outs away from beating Colombia. Like, this is wild. It is. It is. I, I, I'm, I don't know if it's been, and I don't know what the line was to start, but I don't know if it's been more surprising some of the results mm -hmm. we've seen or some of the emotion we've seen from you know, big league uh, players who are, are getting ready for a long season. Well, let's start there. What are your biggest takeaways from uh, the first couple games we've been able to see here and abroad? So let's look at it two ways. In this pool, 
I think the biggest takeaway is just madness all over the place. Colombia beats Mexico, Mexico beats USA, and now Great Britain, who got mercy ruled by Canada, is on the verge of beating Colombia. As our friend Bob Cole would say, everything is happening. But, but I have to say, guys, I think the highlight for me of this World Baseball Classic, to truly understand some of the countries and, you know, what this is, the Czech Republic sent out a five-foot-eight electrician onto the mound, and he struck out Shohei Otani. Yes. And later that night, Otani, you know, puts up an IG story with respect in big block letters talking about the Czechs. And last night for Canada, Philippe Aumont comes in with, you know, in a, in a close game early after Cal Quantrill gave up three runs early. Filippo Mall, who hasn't really pitched competitively in baseball in three years, running a farm in Gatineau, broke his tailbone playing beer league hockey in January, couldn't even pick up his kids or run the farm. He came in and gets the job done, getting four outs for Canada. I just think the improbability of everything from results to talent really kind of captures what this international flavor event is. Yeah, I loved, you know, the scenes of Otani hitting a home run ball and it being passed around in the outfield for people to take photos of it. I, an improbable scene for me, but I need to know about probable starters because who is left to pitch for Canada? Specifically, when you talk about the fact the time of year for players to play, you have to have their pitches and innings capped. Who we got on the mound today? Oh, you know, just your ordinary 19-year-old kid from Newmarket, Ontario, pitching in single A for the Texas Rangers. Mitch Bratt gets the ball today, and he gets Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and on and on we can go. Um, welcome to the World Baseball Classic, kid. But, I mean, yesterday, Curtis Taylor, a 20-year-old, he went three up, three down. He got out of a little bit of a jam in the fourth inning. He called... You know, his strikeout to end the inning, the biggest one of his life. And, guys, look, on paper, Canada shouldn't hang. But here's Great Britain six outs away. I mean, I, <laughs> at this point, never say never. So you're saying there's a chance. What happened to all this one in a million talk? Uh, Canada was just basically going to punt this game from a pitching standpoint until right now you're saying to yourself, all bets are off. I want to talk to you about the length of the WBC games because this is a topic that came up during our morning meeting. We've already discussed it on the show. Uh, coming into today's games of the World Baseball Classic, the average game has been played in three hours and 23 minutes. The average for a spring training game this year has been two hours and 36 minutes. So I guess the question is, are you falling asleep during the extra hour of baseball that you're getting at the World Baseball Classic? Are you already used to the MLB pitch clock? Because people over here seem to be complaining about how long these games are. If, if people weren't complaining about something to do with baseball, would they actually be even watching baseball? I mean, look, yesterday was the biggest gong show of a baseball event I've ever witnessed. Like, that didn't even feel like a game. Guys, through the first, what, five, six innings, Canada batters were averaging one A-B an inning. Like, it was, it was just <laughs> madness what was happening. I think it took two hours to play three and a half, four innings. Um, this really has an October feel mm. when it comes to the stakes and the pressures. And, I, I mean, 
for a 10-day event, I don't, I don't really find an issue with the length of play. I find the stories a lot more compelling, to be honest. Question about, um, you look at the talent that certain teams have here. The U.S. obviously is stacked. Uh, the Dominican Republic, maybe the most talented team ever put together at the World Baseball Classic. But they go out and they lose to Venezuela. Do you think the timing of when this tournament is has certain players maybe not ready to go just yet? Maybe that's why we've seen a little bit of a slow start, whether it be the Americans only scoring six runs against the U.S. or the Dominicans losing to, to Venezuela? Yeah, I, I just think it's sample size more than right. anything else. Like, you know, if, if a big league team lost to a triple-A team, in late March, you're saying to yourself, whatever. I mean, but this isn't 162. This isn't uh, a playoff series. This is one game. I, I think time of year makes an impact. But, you know, it is baseball. The worst team in the league can beat the best team in the league mm -hmm. at any time in any regular season series. But over, you know, 162, eventually order will be restored. What makes this so fun is how erratic it is and i think that adds to the flavor of the unpredictability which makes it so unique uh well canada put up 18 runs against great britain the u.s as i said only scored six so a rash naturally uh, it looks like we have a chance canada the usa 10 eastern on sportsnet one enjoy the game of rash and thanks for doing this all right a lot of randomness expect a lot of that over the love next it. couple of days guys. love it that's baseball Awesome. Uh, okay, after the break, uh, we'll tee up the Leafs and Sabres as Chris Cuthbert joins us live from the rink. Can the Leafs keep it rolling with the Sabres in town? And can Matt Murray find his form and push Ilya Samsonov for the number one job in Toronto? We'll discuss that and more next on Tim and Friends. Love the World Canada's top two teams center stage on a star-studded night on Hockey Night in Canada. McDavid out of the box and to the attack. He'll swing through. Connor McDavid scores! Goal number 55, and McDavid makes it 3-1. Stolen, Martyr in front, what a goal! More Mitch, Martyr magic. That's broken up, but stolen there, and a chance. Nylander scores! And the game is tied! Here's Matthews, and Tavares scores! Three in a row! Centering play, scores! Power play goal, John Tavares! And here's Matthews scoring! What a book from John Tavares! And they'll split the season series with a 7-4 victory tonight. Oof. What a show by the Leafs against the Oilers Saturday night. What a call by our next guest. They'll look to keep it going against the Sabres tonight on Sportsnet. Immediately following us, Sheldon Keefe was asked about the challenge the Sabres posed earlier today. It's another elite offensive team, and we've been playing lots of the, these types of teams here recently. So it's not just because we played them recently, but just the way we've been talking about how we have to defend and uh, protect the middle of the ice, uh, be responsible with the puck, all those kind of things are, are very much uh, the top of the list here tonight against this team. 
Well, our next guest will be calling the game between the Leafs and Sabres tonight, also called Saturday's Wild Affair between the Leafs and Oilers. As you heard, please welcome to Tim and Friends, Chris Cuthbert. Welcome back, I should say. I heard, Mr. Cuthbert, that you have a bone to pick with uh, maybe either Donovan or myself uh, or the show. In yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah. Just the show in general, very <laughs> concerned to hear about the morning meeting. Please do not give our hockey producers any ideas about morning meetings. Uh, you, know, you guys, the other the, the other objection I have is that you've got a guy from Florida, a guy from Arizona. I had to take my coat off to, to do this, but good to be with you guys. Those are both uh, very fair criticisms, and I have to say I, I misspoke when I said morning meeting because here, obviously, it's Eastern time. The meeting is at 1230. Yeah. So it's not like we're meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's the morning so. for him. He's 25 and has no kids. Like, he can <laughs> right. that the morning. Yeah, I don't want to give your, your producers any ideas. So just I to can be relate clear, to that being morning. <laughs> just to be clear. Okay. Just to be clear, it's after uh, noon. Uh, okay. Before we get to tonight's game, uh, you were on the call for Leafs and Oilers on Saturday. I mean, what a hockey game, right? What was the atmosphere like for that one? Really was. Did feel like a playoff game. I, I mean, so often you get the expectations of, of, of star players coming in and and the stars don't really live up to the hype, but that was certainly the case on Saturday night. Connor McDavid delivered uh, individually, and it was the first time all year that the Leafs had got goals from each member of the core four as the Leafs responded, I think, uh, it, in a lot of ways because of how poorly they played in Edmonton. and. Uh, it, uh, it was a game with some ebb and flow and uh, tremendous momentum shift in the second period for Toronto. And, uh, yeah, one of those games that uh, whets your appetite for the postseason. Yeah, no question. Feels like this Leafs team is really being judged not on the now but on that postseason. And you mentioned that core four. Because of the amount of cap they take up, it almost feels like in arena there's exasperation whenever they don't bury a chance. Do you feel that angst when, when you're calling a game as we get closer to the postseason uh, at Scotiabank? Well, there there is a sense of the building if they get off to a slow start. Uh, I mean, the expectations are so high, and we all know the history, and uh, and in those game sevens, the offense has been, been sometimes hard to generate, so uh, uh, I mean, all of the pieces look like they're in place. Uh, now they just have to deliver. Well, it was a, a bit of a master class on Saturday for Mitch Marner, but um, we've seen him do that time and time again. I want to shift the focus to some of the other uh, players, some of the acquisitions that the Leafs made at the trade deadline or around the trade deadline, specifically Noel Achari, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty. Uh, these are guys that I think are, are proving to give the Leafs something that maybe the Leafs have been lacking, and specifically on Saturday, Noel Achari with, with two goals really getting the job done for the Leafs. Well, for sure, and we probably can throw Luke Shin into that mm -hmm. mix. It's the leading hitter in the league, but Achari was the guy that got all the attention, a couple of goals. He had seven shots in the game. He had five hits, and as uh, Sheldon Keith mentioned this morning, he was a guy that uh, he could switch up his his matchups halfway through the game and had confidence in playing Noel Achari up against Connor McDavid. So I think we've seen a little bit of a different role for Sam Lafferty in the past couple of games uh, at center ice and using his speed he, he hasn't had the offensive payoff yet but uh, like Achari but uh, it looks like he could play that role as well and and Jake McCabe's been been solid and, mm -hmm. and maybe the best compliment for a defenseman is we haven't had to talk very much about him in fact 
Saturday night, the first time he was on for a goal against, and it, it took the Crazy. leading player in the NHL, the leading scorer, Connor McDavid, to, to finally put a blemish on his record. Well, the other thing that we've seen recently post-deadline with those acquisitions is, as Sean McKenzie mentioned earlier in the show, 11 and 7 being the distribution between the forwards and the defense. I know the first thing you're thinking about when you're getting ready for a game, getting those boards together. What do you take from, uh, you know, the distribution uh, that Sheldon Keith has had right now and maybe uh, as we see the games get serious into the playoffs? You know, Craig Simpson and I were just talking about that. 11-7 and seven wasn't something Sheldon Keith liked. It sounds like he's starting to consider it a little bit more. And when you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning and how often John Cooper's gone 11-7, and seven, the thing I like about it, and I understand rolling four set lines and three uh, pairs of defensemen, but the one thing about the Leafs, all those star players are used to playing with each other and you can load them up a little bit more. We've, we've seen Nylander with Matthews, we've seen Marner with Tavares, we've seen Marner, Tavares, and O'Reilly. And, and so maybe this gives them the opportunity of playing star players more. You've still got Achari and David Camp and, uh, on, a, on a checking line and maybe Ryan O'Reilly's gonna be more in that role come playoff time. But I think there's a possibility we might see it. And, and you wonder what's the tougher adjustment is it for the players going 11 and 7 or for the coaches Sheldon Keefe and and uh, and Dean Chenault putting out the defensive pairs is it tougher for them to make sure they've always got the right matchups they want Matt Murray getting the nod again tonight Ilya Samsonov still not hundred percent I just want to ask you obviously Matt Murray uh, probably hasn't been up to his own personal standard over the last little while but from your perspective, do you think that the Maple Leafs as an organization have a lean on which direction they'd like to go game one of the playoffs? Obviously, if the way Murray has played as of late, I don't think they'd go in his direction now, but they do have some time here. Do you think the organization has a lean on who they'd like to see in the net night one? No, I, I think they're still going to take that time and, and they don't have to make any commitment like that. And I mean, that was the first win for Matt Murray in two months. Mm -hmm. and and. He, he started his last two starts a week apart, so I get why they'd like to give him a little more uh, runway here, try to get some traction and, and make it a more interesting discussion. And, uh, and the best thing for the Leafs would be if there is a debate among two quality goaltenders going into it. I, I know the best thing is to have for sure the, the one guy that you know about, but it wouldn't be bad if Sheldon Keefe's got to consider two strong options instead of uh, one winning it by default over the other. No question. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and just breaking news. Uh, actually, the producers have changed the morning meeting to 12.30 Pacific time now, <laughs> just to make sure that no one around here gets any ideas. But thank you for, for joining us. That sounds like the right schedule for me. <laughs> well done, guys. Uh, enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Enjoy the game. Uh, should be a good one tonight. Always great on the call. Always great that he can join us before a big call. And we've got time for one last break. We'll get to game time, including a visit with the Monday Night Hockey panels. They get set for tonight. I oversold the meeting. I made it look like we get up at like 6 a.m. and meet. Welcome back. We began our tip of the cap with the Carlton Ravens, men's and women's basketball team. Shout out to U Sports, who both won the respective U Sports championships. For the men, this was their fourth straight title and 17th in the last 
20 years. Ridiculous. Crazy. And for the women, it's their second national championship in program history. It's the first time both the men's and women's teams from the same university have won basketball titles since UVic did it in 1985. Unbelievable. No question. Speaking of dominance, also a tip of the cap to Brad Gushu and his rink. They won their fifth Briar title in the last seven years on Sunday. Gushu's fifth title as Skip is the most all-time, and he's now one behind Randy Furby in the Furby Four for most Briar championships ever. Gushu, along with Jeff Walker, EJ Harnden, and Mark Nichols, will represent Canada at the World Championships in Ottawa next month. 17 and 25 and 7. Work. Unbelievable, dominant performances. Uh, as always, game day starts with Tim and friends. Here's what's on the network tonight. Up next, Hockey Central will get you set for a pair of games on Rogers Monday Night Hockey, catch the Sabres, and Maple Leafs on Sportsnet Ontario West and Pacific, while the Avalanche and Canadiens are on Sportsnet East. WWE fans, Monday Night Raw is coming your way at 8 Eastern. 5 Pacific on Sportsnet 360. And finally, at 10 Eastern time, 7 Pacific on Sportsnet 1, Canada takes on the United States at the World Baseball Classic. Oh. Love that animation. We've been hyping it up all show. Big game tonight. The Maple Leafs coming off a big win over the Oilers on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So what can we expect tonight against the Sabres? Let's get a preview with our game time analyst big time David Amber and the Hockey Central panel. Hey Donovan Jesse thanks so much guys uh, looking good by the way and uh, what a busy night on the network you saw the things coming up we got baseball wrestling well what what Canada what? versus USA. Keith you're talking about him Keith Yandel Anthony Carter Cassie Campbell Pascal you know it's looking good the Maple Leafs as they go for a fifth straight home win they look to sweep the season series versus the Sabres and again they're running with seven defensemen and here's where we're expecting the pairings to be tonight Gustafson uh, the odd man out as number seven we got to start with the defense on our panel, Keith Yandel. Keith, if you have seven defensemen, do D-men must hate this, I imagine. Well, it's the old saying, the more the merrier. It's not what you say in the D-room. <laughs> <laughs> you want six D, you don't want seven. Uh, I hated it as a player because I was usually the seventh guy, especially towards the end of my career. You're getting, you know, if you're usually getting 15 minutes, then you're getting 11, mm. and then it's like, oh, geez, might as well be eating popcorn in the in the press box. But, yeah, I hated it. I'm... I'm sure Ace, you got something oh, else. Oh, just salivating <laughs> yeah. right now. I hear 11 and 7. Look at the Leafs in particular with the fours they have up front. Mm -hmm. Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Tavares. Those guys have to eat, DA. Mm. And we saw versus the Edmonton Oilers what they could do in high-pressure situations. So, Cass, I'm a big fan of 11 and 7. Well, listen, my first Olympics, I was a defenseman. The next two, I was a forward. And playing 7D as a defenseman, didn't like it at all. But as a forward, you're like, you just love it. As you mentioned, Ace. You're sitting here's on the, the fence, thing. as usual. Yeah, Cass. here's, here's uh, Saturday night. Look at the minutes. And I thought they, they were distributed well. And again, mm -hmm. we don't no injury situations right now. Who needs to be rested a little bit more? The interesting thing for me was Morgan Riley. At five on five, he was actually the fourth least amount of ice time, but he got his, his cookies, if you will, on the power play. He played five minutes now, nine power plays. That was probably the reason why. I like that they're trying to get McCabe in. I like that they're trying to get Gustafson. When Shen comes pr back, probably Gustafson's going to be the, the guy out. But I just like the way they're experimenting here down the stretch and you, seeing who they got and what pairings they need to put together come playoffs. Do you think it's one of those things where they're resting him but still playing him? Like Morgan Riley, a guy that's usually playing high 20 minutes, and it's like, all right, you go out there... You'll play in the power play. You're not going to get hit and kind of rest them while he's still playing. Those are the kind of minutes that I want as defenseman. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Five on five, cut back a little bit. <laughs> 
five on four, you got the man advantage. You're definitely playing with the puck on your stick. So uh, I think if I'm the coaching staff, that's what I'm going to do. We always yeah. talk about load management. Well, that's how you can manage some players' minutes by cut back on five and five cast. Maybe cut back on the PK, but let them play on the pounder. You guys, listen, play. for this team to be successful, though, it's about their forwards. You know, these are the guys that need to get it done in the playoffs. you got to give them the ice time. Guys like Marner and Matthews. And, yes, it's obviously goaltending and defense is very important. But if this team is going to win, it's going to be about their forwards. And so finding that the way you can get the best success out of your defenseman, you can't play Mark Giordano as much as he used to be able to play before. You want uh, Riley out there on the power play. Um, you you're, want McCabe to be a shutdown guy and Brody, you know, to be that pairing. So they're still experimenting here, but I like the way that they divvied up the minutes. So you're saying Saturday. you like 11-7 and seven from the forward perspective. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So yeah. Donovan and Jesse, we have Matt Murray making a second straight uh, start for the Maple Leafs. Again, looking for uh, a third straight win and a fifth straight home win. Buffalo desperate for points, though. Mm-hmm. They are seven points out, and they're running out of runway. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. It's all coming up on Sportsnet. Yeah, should be a good one tonight. Uh, we'll see you in about, oh, five minutes' time. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, a uh, couple of people scored some big goals for mm-hmm. Canada against the USA. I wonder if there will be some bets with the yeah, yeah, on what goes on good. in the World Baseball Cup. Uh, after facing the league's leading scorer on Saturday uh, in Connor McDavid, the Maple Leafs are up against another big this goal scorer. Tate Thompson tonight. He is on one right now. He's currently tied for fourth in the NHL with 42 goals. And after scoring 18 goals in his first three seasons in the league, Thompson now has 80 over his last two seasons alone. Everyone's journey is different. Everyone develops at different times, and um, it was something for me where it took me a little longer to fill out in my body, and um, I think just get comfortable with my game. And um, I think some guys get to it a little earlier, and some guys need a little more time. I coached against him in the American Hockey League as well when he was really trying to find his way, and at that time he was shooting the puck at the AHL level. I, I remember chuckling watching some of the clips of him at the AHL level shoot a puck when he first came down to Rochester there. And uh, you're not used to seeing guys shoot pucks like that in the, in the American League. And he was still kind of finding his way, but I knew he had that in him. And, and you know, the, the skill set and the coordination for a guy his size, it seems the older he's got, it's all, it's all come together. Well, I think size is the operative word, right? Yeah, Jesse, once a goalie, always a goalie. Mm-hmm. So now you're a netminder. How intimidating would it be for you to face a slap shot, slap shot from a dude who's six foot six, it would be terrifying. <laughs> Depending on where it's from, they're, they're always you don't always bother me, and I know this bothers all goalies everywhere. But like in warmups, when your own teammates would it's take clappers like, from yeah. like the slot, it's like, what are you guys doing? What are you, tra- what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to prove? You're just supposed to get me warmed up. Like you just maybe a shot in the stomach, get rid of the nerves a little bit, maybe in the pads. But like a six six guy loading up, I, I just. That's not that's not enjoyable. No. The, the goalies wear a ton of equipment. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But still, and there's also a difference between uh, it's like a heavy shot mm-hmm. and a fast shot. Okay. And yeah. I feel like Tage Thompson, like you don't score many goals in just having like a quick release or whatever. Like he's got a heavy shot too. The, the six, rebound six, control stuff. It's impossible. Well, not impossible, but he makes it very difficult on many a goaltender. We'll see how Matt Murray fares tonight. Let's take a look at some odds for tonight's games, courtesy of our friends at BetRivers.ca. Toronto, minus 265 favorites against Buffalo. The over-under set at seven goals. Uh, By the way, each of Toronto's last four games at Scotiabank Arena against opponents on a losing streak have gone over the total goals line. And meanwhile, Montreal home dogs to Colorado 
at plus 210. And here are some notes on prop bets for tonight. The over two and a half goals in the first period has hit in three of the Maple Leafs' last four games against opponents on a losing streak. That's sitting at plus 165. I like that value. William Nylander has scored a goal in seven of the Maple Leafs' last eight home games and is a minus 103 to score tonight. And Tage Thompson, we just talked about, has recorded at least one assist in four of the Sabres' last five games. He's minus 167 to record a point, or at least a point. Donovan, do you like any of these? And before we get to your answer, I'll give you some time to think. I uh, just want minor flex, but picked up Tate Thompson off waivers uh, for my fantasy team beginning of the year. Just saying. <laughs> okay. Just find 42 goals floating around the waiver wire. It's Go a good ahead. feeling. You're bad in just fantasy saying. self, just Mr. Saying. Minor Flex. We are doing a betting um, segment. Listen, I said earlier that my um, multiple choice style is all of the above. Uh, so I like uh, all of them, quite frankly. I'll sprinkle a little on all of them. But if I had to choose one, I think it would be unwilling. Well, two very good offenses, obviously. Yes. And uh, depending on what you think about Matt Murray's current form. Well, that, right. that makes me like the top one the most. That probably yeah. That's uh, another good one. looms large as well. Uh, we'll see what happens in that game. Coming up at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on Sportsnet 1. Another game, Canada's taking on the United States, the World Baseball Classic. And we're flashing back to 2006. Canada's biggest win at the tournament when they beat the Americans 8-6. The game taking place at Chase Field, the same stadium they're playing at tonight. The U.S. was upset by Mexico last night, as you know. So can history repeat itself for the Canucks tonight, Jesse? Yeah, uh, for sure it can. Because if you've been paying attention at all to the World Baseball Classic, this is the kind of thing that's happening. And as I said before when we were talking to Arash, Canada scored 18 runs against Great Britain. The Americans only mustered six runs. So naturally, being a math genius, obviously that means Canada is going to put up more runs than the Americans tonight. I just honestly, in, seri in all seriousness, I can't get over just sometimes people can sleep on the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. And I feel like with some of these results, which have been very surprising, it's been a lot of fun. And the emotion that you asked Arash about, the fans have been going crazy. Baseball is very popular. Sometimes you lose sight of that. Yeah, we were just a bit early. We thought Canada was going to get out of the group at the World Cup. We're yeah. wrong. At the World Baseball Classic. Damn. They're getting out of the group. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, yeah, thank you for doing this. Uh, I'll be back with Ailish Forfar tomorrow. But for now, we send it back to David Amber and Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Then it's the Leafs looking to make it three straight wins as they host the Sabres while the defending champ abs face the abs on Sportsnet East. Thanks for watching Hockey Central. Starts now.